Well, good morning, everybody, and happy Resurrection Day. I've kind of, I haven't said happy Easter to anybody. I really like happy Resurrection Day because that's exactly what we're celebrating. And we, we are celebrating not just the day, but the actions of the fulfillment of the most prophesied event in all of history, the resurrection from the dead of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not only the resurrection from the dead, but the resurrection to life eternal. Not just living again, but eternally living and reigning in heaven with his Father. And I'm just very thankful for that day. And this is a day of celebration of his resurrection. And, but I do want to cover a couple of things about the cross and about Jesus' death that I don't want to overlook. And I will guarantee you that you will hear at least three points that I'm going to bring this morning from Don and Audrey, so thank you very much. <laughs> Father, we just ask this morning that you would bless and anoint this time in your word. Father, I pray that our hearts would be overflowing with the joy and with the peace and, oh God, with the manifold blessings that you brought in your resurrection and in your ascension to your Father in heaven. Oh God, we put you in the highest place this morning and thank you for your love and mercy and this time in your word. Amen. I think that one of the most moving and impactful aspects of Christ's sacrifice became most evident when, Pete, when Jesus, when he, Jesus, told Peter in Matthew 26, 53, just before Jesus went to the cross, he said, Peter, put up your sword Thinkest thou not that I can now pray to my Father in heaven and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels? About 72,000 angels is what that means. But how then shall scripture be fulfilled? And the Message Bible says that scripture this way. Don't you realize that I am able right now to call to my Father and 12 companies, even more if I want them, of fighting angels would be sent here battle ready. But if I did that, how would the scripture come to pass that says it has to be this way? Isn't that beautiful? On the cross, the Bible says that Jesus cried again with a loud voice just before he yielded up the ghost. The commentary pointed out that Jesus was strong to the very end. He had voice to cry out to his father. Um, he had strength enough to cry out to his father when he gave up the ghost or dismissed his soul and spirit from his body. He said, I'm done with it now, and my spirit and my soul are going to my father today. And the earth, we know, reacted violently to Christ's death. The earth quaked. 
The sun went dark for a space of about three hours, as was recorded in Mark's gospel. The rocks split in half. But I think most significantly, the veil of the temple was torn in half. That temple veil that separated Jew from Gentile and separated man from entering into God's presence was torn in two from the top to the bottom. I read that Jewish writings record that that wall of partition measured 60 feet high. If you look up, this is 20 feet high. 60 feet high of a piece of cloth, 30 feet wide and four inches thick and it required 300 priests to move it. Ephesians 2.14 says, He is our peace. He blended the new church of believers in love, in not only love of him, but in love of each other. He told them over and over, love one another through the shedding of his own blood he did this to unite Jew and Gentile and then he gave them free access to the Father. Every man who would come has access. You know Don was talking about the keys. There are false teachers about the keys of the kingdom today. There are those who teach that Jesus became a sinner on the cross and that's why he had to go to hell and be born again in hell to get out. We do not believe that. We do not teach it. We do not support it in any way. We believe that Jesus went, he bore our sin as a burden upon himself, but he did not become a sinner and he went to Abraham's bosom which was a compartment in the lower Hades it was not the lake of fire and he went there to free the saints who had died prior to his death and resurrection so that they could be with him in heaven that is what we believe and that is what we teach Jesus went there as a victor over death, not as a sinner, as a common man who needed blood to redeem him. Whose blood would have redeemed the Christ? No one else. No, he was not a common sinner who needed to be saved. Bible tells us that he held the keys of death and of hell. And in Matthew 16, 19, Jesus had those keys because he told Peter, I will give you those keys and you will have the keys of the kingdom. So whatsoever you loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. And again in Revelation 1 and 18, Jesus told John, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive now forevermore, amen, and I have the keys of hell and of death. The keys and all of their power and authority was 
is and forevermore shall be Christ alone. In Matthew 27, we're going to go to um, Matthew 28 in just a minute and read some scripture there. But in Matthew 27, verse 52, after Jesus' resurrection, the graves of those saints of God who had died and he went to free were opened and they were seen in Jerusalem among many for many days before they went to heaven with Jesus. So he went to get them. They were seen again. He went to get them out of Abraham's bosom, and they were walking in Jerusalem with Jesus for a period of time. And because of the resurrection, 2 Corinthians 5.8 confirms that when we are absent from this body, we are instantly present with the Lord in heaven, and we will wait with him there until the day that he calls those who are alive and remain on this earth to meet him in the air. After Jesus' resurrection, we no longer sleep in death in Abraham's bosom or anywhere else. There is no purgatory. There is no second chance to repent of sin after one's death. The Bible tells us that today is the day of salvation. Amen. And when Jesus was resurrected, he took those sleeping souls with him, and then he gave gifts to men. He said, Happy Resurrection Day, folks. Here are your presents. And to some he gave gifts to be apostles, and to some to be prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. And what we know as the fivefold ministry today are those gifts that he gave to men. The next day after Jesus' death, the, the chief priests and the Pharisees got worried and went to Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that this deceiver, while he was yet alive, told us, After three days I will rise again. Well, what if his disciples try to come and steal his body and then spread the rumor that he's risen from the dead? That will be an awful mess for you, Pilate. We need to do something about this. So Pilate told them it was their responsibility to seal the tomb and set a stone in front of it and keep watch over it. To seal the stone, this meant that a cord was stretched across this stone and Pilate's official seal made out of clay was fastened at each end of that cord across the stone so that it could be detected if anyone had tried to enter the grave from the outside. And now if you would turn to Matthew 28, we're going to read verses 1 through 10 there. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. 
And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. As an aside, can you just imagine the fun that that angel had? Woohoo! I am moving this stone away. And then he sat upon it to watch the show that was about to happen. I do not believe that that angel moved the stone so that Jesus could walk out of that grave. I believe he moved the stone so that others could see in that he was not there. And speaking of the angel, his countenance was like lightning and his raiment was white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. I'm sorry, but that makes me laugh. The angel wasn't concerned about the terrified soldiers who fell as dead men, but the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear ye not, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified, but he is not here, for he is risen as he said he would. Come and see the place where the Lord laid. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him, lo, I have told you. The angel saying, I have done my job. I moved the stone. I have told you where he is now. Go and be with him. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring the disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, all hail, which is an old English word or greeting that means health to you. And they came and they held him by his feet, for he'd already been to heaven, already ascend, ascended to his father, and been cleansed and ready for everything to be uh, touched. He could be touched at that time. If you remember I don't remember which gospel it is, but he tells Mary, don't touch me, for I have not yet been to my father. But now he's okay to be touched because he had been to the father and they worshiped him. And then Jesus said unto them, be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and that's where they shall see me. The angel confirmed it. The women saw the empty tomb, but when they met him on the way, they touched him themselves, they talked to him, and they walked with him in the way, and he reassured them, don't be afraid. When the disciples went to the mountain in Galilee, verse 17 says they worshiped him, but some doubted or hesitated. But Jesus spoke to them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, 
teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even in, unto the end of the world. Amen. And this passage in Mark's gospel records along with this great commission or this transfer of Christ's power of attorney to his believers, Mark's gospel records these additional words. As Audrey said this morning, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They, those who believe, shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. It was Jesus' words. So after Jesus spoke these things to them, he was received up into heaven, and he sat on the right hand of God. And the believers went forth, teaching and preaching everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. That's the book of Mark. In Luke's gospel, Jesus told the doubters to behold my hands and my feet. It is me, he said. And then he sat and ate fish with them, proving that it was him in bodily form. It was not a spirit. And Luke 24, 44, Jesus confirmed that he had fulfilled all the words that he had spoken unto them, which were written in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then they opened, he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. For it is written that Christ had to suffer and had to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And he led them out to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them, and he was carried up into the heavens. Deacons, if you want to start, or maybe Don and Doug, if you want to start passing out the implements, that would be fine. That this would be a good time to do it. And I'm closing with this. Well, actually, maybe the two boys could. Yeah, the, that's fine. Because you'll have to... <laughs> we got lots of moving parts this morning. The greatest event in all of history was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A once and for all event. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We would have no hope without the resurrection of Christ. 
and he gave us an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, and that fades not away, reserved in heaven for us, those who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, and we shall be ready to be revealed in the last time. That's what the scripture in 1 Peter said. And he was right. What a lively, blessed hope we have that doesn't fade away. Thank you, sweetie. But is reserved in heaven for us. Peter goes on to say this. He says, Thank you. He said, you can put them right back down here if everybody's been served. Thank you. Yes, you can serve each other. Isn't it fun to watch them do this? <laughs> I guess I can say that because they belong to me. They're my grandkids. I love them. Peter went on to say that we might have trials of faith while we're on this earth. But to them, but to count them as much more precious than gold that is tried in the fire. Because the gold purges out the dross and it burns up the dross, but it does not hurt the gold. So we too might be tried with fire. We might lose the unnecessary things that the fire burns off of us. And that might not be comfortable, might not feel very good. But our faith in Christ, the resurrection, the resurrected one, will be proven to be found unto praise and glory and honor at the appearing of our Lord and Savior. Aren't you thankful for the resurrection this morning? And Don, if you'll come now, Audrey's going to sing for us in a few minutes. Mighty God, we are so thankful. We are so thankful and appreciative, God, of the suffering that you endured upon the cross and the body, your body, that was broken for us as prophesied and as directed by the Father. This was the only hope. You are our only hope. And we honor and adore you today, Lord Jesus, for the suffering you endured, the body, your body, that was broken for us. And in obedience to what you did there at the Last Supper with your disciples, we also, Lord God, remember. We remember what you've done. We remember your victory. And we'll continue to do so until you come again. Amen. And Lord God, we recognize the blood, your perfect blood, not the blood of a sinner, not the blood of an, a tarnished or blemished sacrifice, but perfect, undefiled, without sin. The only way, Lord God, that we may be, have eternal life, the only sin offering that could be offered for the sins of the whole world, past, present, and future. And we, Lord God, this blood that we plead 
over our loved ones, over our infirmities, Lord God, over our, the challenges and to thwart the enemy, this blood, this perfect atoning blood that you shed for all, not for some limited number of people, but for the whole world, whosoever would believe may reap the benefit of your atoning blood for their sins for all time. And so we honor and worship you today. We love you for the blood that was shed. We recognize the power, the significance of your perfect blood shed on Calvary, on Calvary's hill. And we give you all honor, thanks, and praise for that today as we recognize, Lord God, what you've done. Amen. And Lord, as we recognize the body that was broken and the blood that was shed, and we take this communion in remembrance of that sacrifice, we then celebrate your resurrection from that death, your final victory over death and over the grave, as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday today, Resurrection Day. Power over sin, power over death, power over the grave, Lord God. We thank you and honor you and worship you today. Amen. But in, 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 um, in honor of, of what he's already done, uh, I wanted to sing in the garden this morning. Um, just the Lord, I just feel like this song is not only beautiful and the, the lyrics are so um, just meaningful that the Lord wants to fellowship with us, but it just, the, in the garden, that's where God, God created the perfect environment for Adam and Eve and said to tend this, this garden. And that's where he met with them. And in the book of Revelation in chapter 22, there's a garden, um, there's a, the fruit um, from the tree of life and that not the leaves will heal the nations. And when we go there, we get to eat from the fruit of that tree of life they blessed are those who wash their robes they will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat of eat the fruit from the tree of life and so many times when i'm when i when the lord reveals something to me he shows me something about farming or the garden and roots and so i just want to honor him this morning with this song
come into your presence. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you walk with us daily, that you talk with us. Oh, God. 